through the ages, the powers of good and evil have been at work amongst us. Through the passages of time, many have attempted to probe and distinguish between myth and fact. What is innocence? What is purity? What is corruption? Hey everyone, happy Halloween. I actually have a seasonally appropriate episode for the holiday today. I feel like that hardly ever happens, but I guess I have managed something a little scary for October most years, so I'm sort of keeping up with the tradition. Today's episode I recorded several months ago, but I didn't get a chance to sit down and edit it right away, and then I decided to save it for today, Halloween, because it stars the devil. Not really. The character is named Darkness. He's not actually the devil, but he's a big, red, medieval, demon-looking thing, so it's close enough that I figured this is the perfect time to release it. For this episode, I'm joined once again by my friend Sam. This is a movie she told me about years ago. It actually has been her favorite movie since she was little, and I'd never seen it, so I thought it'd be the perfect thing for us to do a podcast on. I am Darkness. Ridley Scott's legend. So this is your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> this is my number one favorite movie of all time. It has never, ever been a question. <laughs> yeah. I've been watching this since I was probably like five. Mm. Unlike the other movies that I watched since I was five, this was one I was allowed to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about this one that you love so much? Everything. Everything. It's just, you don't get a lot of fantasy movies that are just so i mean it's 80s so it's cheesy mm-hmm. but i mean it's got unicorns it's got tim curry as the devil <laughs> we get a young tom cruise mia sarah is good elves dwarves the soundtrack the practical effects the goblins the witches the creatures it's just what's not to love <laughs> especially when you love fantasy shows mm-hmm Nowadays, fantasy shows are either great like Lord of the Rings or they're bad like, you know, the Hobbit movies. (laughs) And it's just an old school fantasy show. And it's just, when I was a little girl, it was just everything I could ever wanted in a movie. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I realized I liked Tim Curry as Darkness maybe a little too much. (laughs) (laughs) But again, as someone who loves practical effects and makeup, Mm -hmm. Tim Curry as the devil or darkness i guess he's not the devil his makeup and practical effects are so good i mean they even got nominated for an oscar they didn't win it should have i don't know what else was nominated that year but just looking at tim curry and not knowing that it's tim curry until like you laughed when you saw his laugh (laughs) (laughs) you know it's only his upper lip you can see but yeah i don't know everything about it it's just my favorite movie yeah rob botten He's the one who came in and designed the special effects and the makeup and stuff. And he also did The Howling, which is another one of my favorite movies. And The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing, which is another favorite movie. So I'm not surprised that the special effects in this movie are so good and the makeup's good. Because that guy, they uh, really know how to do their makeup and practical effects. So yeah, Tim Curry is the standout of this. Oh, absolutely. 
great as always. Mm-hmm. It was weird seeing Tom Cruise as a young Tom Cruise. Yeah, this was like his seventh movie, and it makes me laugh because right before this, he made Outsiders, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And then he went to make Top Gun immediately after this, which I'm like, his acting skills, like, he's not a bad actor in Legend. He's fine. Mm -hmm. But for him to go from Legend immediately to make Top Gun, like, it just kind of, I thought there'd be a few movies between Legend and Top Gun, but nope, he went... 1985 Legend, 1986 Top Gun. I was like, wow. I thought it was interesting. I read that Johnny Depp, Jim Carrey, and Robert Downey Jr. were all considered for his role. I read that too. I'm so glad Tom Cruise got it. <laughs> yeah. Especially not Jim Carrey. That oh my God, been... that... I mean, Tom... <laughs> or Jim Carrey has proved he can be a serious actor, but that was only quite later in his life. Yeah. So I can't imagine Ace Ventura... <laughs> In legend, I could have, I could see him doing darkness, or a goblin. <laughs> that too, a that goblin too. maybe, but and not the, the Grinch is practically a goblin. <laughs> well, he is, yeah, yeah. We know he can sit through hours of makeup, but and I mean a young Robert Downey Jr. Maybe I haven't really seen him in too much other than like Iron Man, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad it went to Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, it's always interesting to see somebody before they become huge. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, that would have been his next movie was Top Gun. And, and that's probably what... That's pretty much launched him. Yeah. I mean, The Outsiders he's really good in, but everybody in that movie is really good. And they're all so young, so... But yeah, it was right after that, Top Gun, so... That's when we get the Tom Cruise we know today. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And then we have Mia Sarah as Princess Lily. Mm-hmm. And it was her first movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize she's married to Brian Henson, Jim oh, Henson's son. I didn't know that either. Yeah. All like, I know is she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and that's the only other movie I know her from. Because <laughs> I, I looked through her list, and I'm like, no, just, just those two is the only two I've seen I recognize her from. And, of course, Tim Curry's stage presence and movie filmography was already like four sheets long by the time he did legend i mean mm-hmm. he was already a legend by the time he played darkness and most of the rest of the people i was not familiar with Mm-mm. you have david bennett as honeythorn gump who apparently was 19 in that role i thought he was like 12 <laughs> yeah he's he was a little guy well and you commented when we watched it that they dubbed his voice yeah and I guess it's because his accent was too German. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a fantasy fairy tale. A lot of those are German, but I am glad they dubbed it. I can't imagine him sounding any different. Yeah, the dubbing was done by the same person who played Blix, Blix. the leader of the goblins, mm-hmm. Alice Platon. I'm not familiar with her no. either, but I recognize that she'd done a lot of voice work and things that I had seen over the years. Yeah, so. when I looked over her list, I was like, oh, she does a lot of voice work, because I mm-hmm. think I've seen some of this. Well, I feel like the voice was the biggest thing for these two characters anyway, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yep. And then Billy Barty as Screwball, Cork <laughs> Hubert as Brown Tom, Peter O'Farrell as Pox, and Annabelle Layton as Una. Didn't know any of them. Nope. And Kieran Sean as blunder 
he was in all Lord of the Rings movies, so I recognized him from behind the scenes, but I actually confused him with Deep Roy, and then his Wikipedia page said that he's often confused for Deep Roy. I'm pretty sure we had to pause the movie, because <laughs> you were just like, I know that guy from somewhere, is it this guy? And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Well, I was thinking it was the guy who played all the Oompa Loompas in the oh. recent Willy Wonka movie, uh, but that was Deep Roy. Uh-huh. So. And, well, when we you pulled it up... And we looked at them side by side. It was like, oh yeah, they do look. Mm-hmm. Especially quite since similar. this was in the '80s, so he's much younger. And he's also got makeup and prosthetics plastered on his face too, mm. like all of them except for Tom Cruise and Mia Sarah. <laughs> well, the one that surprised me the most was the person who played Meg Mucklebones. Yes, I love him. <laughs> Robert Picardo, uh-huh. who was the doctor on Star Trek Voyager, mm-hmm. which is the Star Trek that I watched growing up. He's done a lot of uh, mon- uh, creature work like that. I think he likes to be <laughs> under all the makeup. I could tell whoever was playing it was having a blast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was having a good time with that role. Well, it's Meg Mucklebones. She's awesome. <laughs> Again, another reason why I like this show, because... You're just like, wow, that's Swamp Witches. Cool, like, I want to create characters like that. So, apparently there are two versions of this. We watched the original. We watched the three, the theatrical. Okay, and then I watched... The director's cut. I think I liked the one that we watched more. I was kind of bored. <laughs> I have tried to watch the director's cut, but like what I told you when I let you borrow it, it's not the same soundtrack. I mean, I like Jerry Goldsmith. He's a great composer, but that 80s Tangerine Dream mm-hmm. soundtrack, that's what makes it for me. I can't imagine watching Legend and not hearing Love by the Sun. It also just seemed, well, I mean, it is longer, but it seemed so much longer. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not. It's only, I think, a few minutes longer. But I feel like there was different scenes mm-hmm. that just kind of dragged well, and they cut scenes. Like, the thing that got me the most in the uh, director's cut is they cut the scene where they show Blix with the unicorn horn when they cut it off. I'm like, why would you cut that scene when he holds it up? Or she holds it up, I guess. Blix is played by a woman, but they don't specify. It's a goblin. And I'm like, why would you cut that scene out? That's kind of an important scene. But yeah, it, it, it mostly just kind of extends a few scenes and for some reason the theatrical cut dubbed over the woman telling Lily she's a princess which I never understood why you'd hide the fact that she's a princess because mm-hmm. even as a kid I'm like well, she's clearly a princess I would just or like a royal house dressed, I would have guessed yeah because I'm like she's dressed like she's dressed like Maid Marian in the Robin Hood movie like Mm-hmm. She looks like a princess or like a lady of a high house. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't know why you would hide that, but. So who was that family that she was visiting at the beginning? I think just a, f- I think it's just someone she knows, probably a commoner in her kingdom. And I think it's just whoever she stopped to pester whenever she was going off to see Jack. <laughs> 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 they don't really explain it. I think it's just probably someone she knows. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a house she's visited since she was a little girl. Well, they t- acted like they were old friends. Yeah, so. they were very close. So the, my guess would just be somebody she's probably just always gone to visit when she goes into the forest. Mm-hmm. So then if she, in the theatrical cut, is she a princess or did they take that out completely? Uh, 
I don't know. They they never call her a princess anywhere. But when they leave at the end, I've always assumed that's where they were going back to was their her kingdom mm. or her home. But I think it's more up to your interpretation. Mm. You can look at her as a princess or a woman from a, a rich house or just somebody who doesn't live in the forest and dresses very nice. So then is Jack human? I have always assumed Jack was not human because they call him Jack of the Green, which is a green man, which is from a lot of Irish and Scottish and English folklore, the green man. It's a really long, complicated history, but he pretty much like represents like fertility and spring and life and oddly enough life death and rebirth which is basically what happens in the movie Mm -hmm. they go through life they go through the winter of death and then when they bring the unicorn back rebirth but i always assumed jack was an immortal because gump calls him a force child Mm -hmm. and then his official name in the movie is jack of the green which is another name for the green man Mm. so i've always assumed jack was not human okay that he's just an immortal forest child who protects the forest. Maybe he's still a little young, which is why he makes a few mistakes. So did they change his relationship to Gump between the two versions of the movie? Because I thought when we first watched it, I thought they knew each other. But in the longer version, it was like they were meeting for the first time. I assumed they had never met before. Because okay. when Gump... I I got the impression that maybe Jack and Gump knew of each other, but they had never formally met because Gump introduces himself as Honeythorn Gump at your service. Oh, okay. I must've just missed that because I was watching it last night and I was like, wait a minute. I thought they were friends. Why is there was the, this whole extremely long scene. I feel like that scene had to have been lengthened. It felt so much longer. (laughs) Yeah. I've only seen little parts of the, uh, director's cut i never actually sat down and watched the whole thing i just kind of looked up the clips on Mm -hmm. youtube because i tried to watch it i'm like it's not the right soundtrack i don't like it (laughs) it's not the same i was i was bored and i feel like the music wasn't as good even though the music was more kind of fitting it made it feel more timeless Mm mm-hmm but it needed, it took out it the, needed the 80s soundtrack. It needs that 80s. It's an 80s movie. It needs that 80s soundtrack. Pretty much the consensus is if you watched the theatrical cut as a kid, it's your favorite. Mm-hmm. If you watched the director's cut when you were older, because I don't think as a kid you'd probably get through it, it's your favorite. So it's kind of like whichever one you watched first is going to be the one that you like the most. Well, I guess that still holds up for me because I watched the original mm-hmm. <laughs> first, so... Yeah, I'm watching it last night. I was like, this does not feel the same. No, it doesn't uh, feel the same. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the main point of the movie is the the Lord of Darkness is sending the goblins to kill the unicorn. Or both of them? Both of them. And then he wants the horn... Mm-hmm. Or, like, what? why did he need the horn? Did it ever explain? Uh, they never explained why they collected... I know in the show they call them alicorns. And I don't know if that's the official name for a unicorn horn. I've heard it used different ways. But they never say if he actually wants the horns. I think he just wants them dead. And mm. we know by the end of the show, if you put the alicorn back, 
the unicorn comes back to life. So it makes sense he would want them mm. to keep them separated from the the dead animal. <laughs> so you can't just bring him back to life suddenly. Mm-hmm. But he just wants them dead because he wants the world frozen in, in darkness. So he can leave his lair. Okay. That was one of the things that was like, this doesn't exactly make sense, but also it's a fairy tale, so I'm just going to mm-hmm. go with it. Because I was like, why is everything freezing when the unicorn dies? Yeah, it's because he's, it's, he's, well, like Gump says, you know, they trapped you. We've been trapped in a season of death. And so when l- time freezes there, everything just gets frozen over because it's all frozen in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where... A lot of times I'll overthink things, mm-hmm. and then with a movie like this, it's just like, it's a fairy tale. It's a fantasy. Just you go just with go it. with it. Like, <laughs> fantasies usually don't make too much sense. It's yeah. just, you just go with the story. Mm-hmm. There's also the fairy, and I don't remember if I mentioned this while we were watching it, but I thought again last night, I was like, the sounds this fairy is making reminds me of the aliens in Signs. The little squeaks and chitters and yeah. stuff? <laughs> hmm. Never really thought about it that way. I always just thought she was just being an annoying little brat. Because that's how fairies are in old folklore. Yeah. They're annoying, they're pestering, and they'll eat you. I don't think Una would eat anybody. <laughs> but a lot of fairies do. I just assumed she was just being... She reminds me a lot of, um, in Legend of Zelda, the little fairy that goes with Link... Oh, who, hey, hey, listen. hey, listen, you know, it just kind of reminded me of that a lot. Like just always annoying people, always pestering people, but mm-hmm. you need her there. Mm-hmm. But she's also just like this annoying little because she never, doesn't tell Gump who she is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know she can transform until they're trapped because he calls her a what does he call her? He calls her a sprite. I don't know if he calls her a hateful sprite or. Something along those lines. So, yeah, like, he don't trust her either. Mm-hmm. But I did always like Una as a kid. I just wish the special effects at the time would have given her wings a little bit more to do instead of just stuck to her back. <laughs> mm, yeah. But I always liked her design because it is very otherworldly and it is very non-human the way she looks. Mm-hmm. There's something about her that seemed familiar and I wasn't sure if it was the way she was made up or the actress, but I didn't recognize anything else the actress had been in. So I don't know. It's probably the way she was made up was made up similar to some other movie. Or other movies after Legend. I always Her contacts always struck me because they're so vibrant. I'm assuming they're contacts cause, because her pupils don't really dilate when the sun shines <laughs> in her face. But it always just kind of struck me how vibrant her eyes were. And I always liked how wild her hair was because she's a fairy. Mm-hmm. You know, she's wild and free, just like she says. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if this was in the theatrical version or not, but I noticed it last night when Lily goes back to the family that are her friends. Mm-hmm. There's a frozen baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know there's a crib. Um I don't know if they show the baby. Well, they definitely showed it in the one I watched last okay, night. Okay, so they must have cut that from the theatrical. Because I know there's a crib. Because I know she looks at it. But I I don't recall if I see a baby. Or if it's just like when it rocks, you just barely see it. And I know as a kid, I, I never could decide. I'm like, is it a baby or is it a doll? 
I I thought that too, but that was like, well, it's obviously meant to be a baby. Yeah. Well, I know that. Like, it's supposed to be a baby, mm-hmm. but I'm always like, is it her baby? I guess I just assumed that it was the couple's kid. Yeah. Because there was a man and a woman, so... Well, we don't see the man in the theatrical cut. I wondered that, too, because I was like... We only see her. Was there two people before? Nope. In the theatrical cut, we only see her. Okay. So that's another difference. Mm -hmm. And I did did wonder that last night. I was like, I only remember the lady. Yeah, we only see her. Nell. That's her name. Nell. Okay. So I guess... Maybe it's just me forgetting, but did they, was the quest to save the unicorn or was it to save Lily or was it both? I think for Jack, it was to save Lily and for Gump, it was to save the unicorn and they just kind of had to work together. Okay. I don't think Jack going in really cared about the unicorn at first. I don't think not until he talked to the mayor and said, you know, we have to get the horn back. But I think for Jack... The number one priority was Lily, mm-hmm. even though he knew he had to get the unicorn horn back. But I think for Jack, if he couldn't save her, well, then what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, because his number one priority at the end is to save Lily and Gump's is to save the unicorn. So I think they're working together because they both know what they have to do. But I think Jack's thoughts are very much directed toward Lily and not so much the unicorn, because mm-hmm. Gump and his friends, that's who they're after. They don't care about Lily. The way they look at it, she caused all this. And then by the end, she's, you know, by, by his side in her pretty little dress, so. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what do you think of all of the elf creatures? Were they, I'm assuming you liked them since you grew up with the movie, mm-hmm. but they, they seem to me like something that could be really annoying for some people. Um... I think if there would have been more of them, it would have been really annoying. But growing up with it, I liked Brown Tom and Screwball. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're annoying, but they're not because they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, they know how to do things and they follow Gump and they do as ordered, even though they whine about it. I think if they would have been in the movie more, they would have been a lot more annoying. But since it cuts between them and everything else so much i don't really mind them too much but i can see how they probably would be very annoying little characters but Mm -hmm. i liked them and i liked their designs and i liked how they looked and how they talked and you know what about blunder that i don't really have well like what was up with him anyway i don't know i don't know if he got caught and he was working undercover like maybe or if he got recruited they don't really talk too much about why he's there and what he's doing Mm -hmm. because i mean he turns on him real quick yeah and kind of outs himself immediately so i don't know if he was working undercover or if he got too close and got caught and just decided to just stay there and just observe i mean he didn't really strike me as too smart so I don't know. No. <laughs> and Gump def- definitely didn't know he was there. Mm-hmm. And Gump's kind of in charge. So I think somewhere on the cutting room floor is probably more of his story. Probably. It's probably one of those things where it's like, yeah, we don't need to explain this. Right. Or maybe it could be kind of like a Lord of the Rings thing too, where 
maybe the bad guys take the elves and turn them into villains because that's how that's what happened in Lord of the Rings with the elves is the elves got corrupted and became like the Urukai and the goblins and all that stuff mm. so maybe it's just they took a page from that maybe they just were like what the hell it's supposed <laughs> to be partially a kid's show let's have him be an annoying little character who we're going to bake into a cake <laughs> or a pie well we should also talk about the part where Lily is not necessarily taken but sort of sort of enchanted away seduced I always looked at it as she was being seduced you're talking about like when she is captured and with the dancing dress with the dancing in the dress and everything I always looked at that as because darkness when he sees her he wants her and he asks his mother because you hear the voice on the wind because he just wants to take her and he said and the voice says charm her woo her seduce her mm. so he's giving her all the things a princess would want jewelry mm. wine food and it's i think it's him seducing her because he doesn't he tells her later he loves her but it's not love it's lust because that's the whole point of legend like with the opening crawl they talk about no light without dark no love without hate mm -hmm. you know and i think it's just her just not knowing what to do because she's never been in a situation like that before and she's scared and she's alone i think she just allows herself to be seduced by this you mm -hmm. know in a moment of weakness because mm -hmm. she doesn't stay that way you know she's weak for a moment but she still talks back to him. Mm -hmm. She still betrays him. So she's stronger than she looks. But I think in that moment was just a little slip. And So you don't think she was pretending at that moment? No, I don't think so. Well, I know that that scene is one of the scenes where the music made a big difference. Yeah, it's more like a jewelry box lullaby kind of thing in the director's cut, isn't it? It was boring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt different. It was... Like, I don't know. I need to watch them side by side to figure out exactly what I thought. But I, I know like, this I like not. This does not feel the same. No, I do like the music. I mean, obviously, I like the music more in the theatrical. But it is more. It's got more of like a beat to it. You know, you're just like I can see how if she heard this music, she would want to mm -hmm. dance with this sparkly person. Mm -hmm. You know, and be seduced by that and kind of be lulled into thinking maybe this isn't going to hurt her when all she's seen is scary things that look like they're going to get her. Mm. <laughs> Since everything moves and watches her as she runs through the palace. Yeah. Another thing I was wondering about, did she sing in the theatrical or the, no. theater, the theatrical one? No, she does not. But I know she sings in the director's cut. Yeah, because she started singing. I was like, I don't remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I think I saw a clip of that. And I was like, um... No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was needed. No, I mean, I know that was the thing, again, going back to Lord of the Rings, because there's a lot of singing in those books. Mm -hmm. A lot. So that kind of made me think of that, like, well, a lot of these older things have singing in them, so let's throw in a song. Sometimes you don't need it. It didn't need it. No. <laughs> no, we don't need to hear Lily sing. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we can convey it some other way. Well, is there anything else in the middle of the movie you want to talk about before we get to the 
showdown. Surprised you don't want to talk about the unicorns making whale sounds. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's true. Because uh, when we were watching it, you're like, is that a whale? Yeah, that was a choice. <laughs> I think it's because the way I've always looked at it is what more ethereal sound is there than a whale song? Yeah, I suppose. You know, it's just like what sounds more haunting and alien and yeah. beautiful than a whale sound? That's kind of how I always looked at it. Because it's like they do make noises like a horse. Mm -hmm. But would a unicorn actually sound like a horse? I think that's why they put those sounds in there. Because it's just so enchanting and haunting. And somebody who lives in the middle of the forest isn't going to know what a whale sounds like. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't know. I think it probably just stood out to me because I've watched too many nature documentaries. Right. <laughs> Even as a little kid, I was just like, that sounds like a whale. But I'm cool with it because it works. <laughs> you know, and I love just the whole scene with the unicorns when they first come. I think they did a great job making them look very, you know, they're pearly white, they're clean, they're very beautiful horses. I know they had to, like, smuggle those horses out of another country to, like, film this movie. And mm. I know they're all stallions or geldings, because, I mean, you can tell when you watch the movie. <laughs> As a little kid obsessed with horses, I'm like, that ain't no mare. <laughs> but I don't care. You know, and I love the design of the horn, which is how I've done a lot of the art with my unicorns. And I love the placement on the forehead. Mm -hmm. And just, I thought they did a great job. And the sound stage where they filmed is just gorgeous. Like, they don't make sound stages like that anymore. That yeah, I forgot about that. You said that it was all filmed on a sound stage. It really does look like yep. outside. Well, it, they filmed it on the 007 sound stage because like it was the biggest one at the time, I think. And then it burned down. It caught fire and the whole thing burned down. Mm. They had like so many days left of filming and the whole thing burned. So they had to rebuild it. And then the scenes with Nell's cabin, they filmed outside somewhere. And then I think the scene with the unicorns when she's in the, when she approaches them, I think they filmed that outside somewhere as well. I don't know what happened. I think it was a wire because all the trees are fake because he wanted Ridley Scott who directed it mm -hmm. wanted to originally he, I think he wanted to film in Yosemite at Sequoias that's mm -hmm. where he got the idea for the forest but realized you couldn't you know film in a national park like that so they built the trees and they planted a bunch of plants and so they had like birds living in there and all this other stuff and they had planted flowers and I think just like probably I I'm pretty sure I read it was a wiring thing and whole set just burned down. They said there were flames shooting out the top of it and everything. Hmm. Like I can't imagine being like, oh no, all my hard work. It's the Lord of Darkness. Yeah, it was, uh, Tim Curry's <laughs> like, get me out of this damn makeup. I'm gonna burn this sound stage down. <laughs> and I know they used like five sound stages to build all the sets because it's how they did things in the 80s. You built the sets, mm -hmm. which is why everything looks so big and alien and different. I love how Jack just wants to show her, you know, cause he loves her, the unicorns. And then she kind of, it's kind of the first step of her giving into temptation when she mm -hmm. goes to touch the unicorn. Mm -hmm. Cause Jack tells her, you can't do this, but she's a princess and she does what she wants. And it's kind of her giving into that temptation. Mm -hmm. It's like darkness is influencing her to do it. 
because they're ready. You know, Blix is there with the blow dart. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like it was him kind of like tempting her because that's what he does. He tempts people and pushes them to do things, but he doesn't make you do it. Mm-hmm. And I know in the director's cut, the mayor tries to chase her off. I wondered about that because I didn't remember that happening. Yeah. The, the mayor first tries time to chase it. her away, and when she won't leave, it's the stallion that she pets. Because in a lot of old folklore and a lot of like old unicorn lore, it's always the innocent maiden who can lure in the unicorn. Mm-hmm. So if you look at like old unicorn tapestries from like England and Britain and stuff, they always use an innocent maiden to bring in. It's always a stallion. Mm-hmm. It probably has something to do with virginity and all that stuff. <laughs> and that's when they would kill the unicorn. You would always have the huntsman nearby. And when the innocent maiden drew in the unicorn, they would kill it. So that's how I always looked at it was it was darkness influencing her. To touch it. But I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I'd go try touch it too. <laughs> it's a unicorn. I'd be like, no, it's all right. I'll touch it. But she doesn't mean it. You know, she doesn't know what she's doing is wrong. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she's never seen anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And I like how Jack's just like, F this. It just turns and leaves. <laughs> He's like, Well, and nope. also, like, how is she supposed to know anyways? Because, like, I don't, and I don't remember if this is a difference between the two versions, but in the one that I watched last night... She asked about it, and he said, it is known. Yeah, so it is known like, these are how? sacred animals. <laughs> like, if you've never been told, yeah. how is it known? Yep. And he tries. Like, he tells her, no, you mustn't do this. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pet that unicorn because it's pretty, and I want to touch it. Mm-hmm. And I always love this scene where they hunt the unicorn down because they filmed the death of the unicorn in reverse when it's falling to the ground you can tell it's all reversed from the unicorn standing up Mm. because it's easier to film a horse getting laying down than getting back up again but i like it when the cherry blossoms are falling and the snow starts to fall and you see there's a tornado in the background because it's like like the whole world's in chaos because they poisoned it which is what i always assumed it was and everything's starting to stop and the lake starts to freeze and Lily doesn't know what's going on. She has no idea, which is why she's still teasing Jack. Mm-hmm. You know, she takes off her ring and she's like, I'll marry whoever finds this. She thinks it's a joke. She thinks it's funny. And again, this is Jack knowing something's wrong, but he's so focused on Lily. He doesn't realize what they've done until, you know, he almost drowns. Mm-hmm. But I always did like the scene though, where the, the unicorn falls and they, chop off its horn and they're just so proud of themselves <laughs> good god good job guys you did the darkness his wishes <laughs> <laughs> i liked the part where blunder wants to take over <laughs> i know and at that time we don't know he's like an elf uh-huh. and i'm just like i didn't even think twice about it i'm just like well they're goblins like they're yeah. always fighting amongst each other so he's just like my turn. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. And then, you know the. Um, I think they're trying to say that it was darkness who popped up and punished him at the end. But I always assumed it was just like one of his like leaders because you don't see his horns. 
But, you know, they show up, and he's like, oh, it's only a joke. I, I just figured it was it. like a dead guy or a mummy that had been dead a while, and he just was like, go brought him back. Yeah, he's just like, go get that little thing, get that horn, and tell but him to knock I, it off. I, I love the way he just grabbed him and jumped in a hole. I know. He's like, adios, amigos, and he just, off he goes. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, okay, sure. You know, that's one of those moments where you watch Legend, and you see, like, the line between Ridley Scott wanting to make a kid's fantasy film. Because I'm like, this is all very kid's fantasy. And then once we get to darkness, we get to the more horror aspect that he kind of wanted to swing towards once they were filming, but was mm-hmm. unable to. I think they found a good balance, though. It is a good balance. It is very, like, watching it as an adult, though, it is very kind of like, there's there's definitely different feel like yeah this is very much fun and for kids when we're focusing on like screwball and brown tom and all them and then like i said once we get to like lily being seduced Mm -hmm. and you know darkness talking about all his stuff you're just like and this is very much more like a little bit older but a lot of movies in the 80s were like that i was just thinking that's kind of a lot of just 80s movies in general yeah they kind of go from one one feeling to another very quickly Mm mm-hmm yeah. Gremlins is another one. <laughs> well, and uh, Tomb Ra- uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, too, which is that and Gremlins inspired the PG-13 rating, because Legend's only PG, but you know if mm-hmm. it was made now, it would be PG-13. Oh, probably, Just yeah. like Jaws. Jaws is PG, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, with some of the scenes in there. The blood. <laughs> like, oh, my. Limbs. Quint. Yeah, so anyway. Well, let's talk about when he is finally revealed, because I forgot that he was revealed so late in the film, like you actually see him. The theatrical cut we have him in the beginning, because the um, executives or whatever... So so he was in the beginning then. In the theatrical cut he is, in the director's cut he's not. Because I was watching last night, I was like... I could have sworn we saw him, but he was just in shadow and yep. like, oh, I guess I must have forgot that. But I guess that's another thing that yep. they changed then. Yep. The, uh, they changed it for the American audience because the American audience, what they were back then, I suppose it's true. They're like, you need to put something in there to hook people because mm-hmm. they're not going to be okay with just this just starting off with Jack and Lily. Mm-hmm. So that scene in the theatrical cut where darkness is bringing blicks to him and saying i need you to go do this well that scene was there it's just you never saw him specifically yeah Yeah. and you see him because he's like he's like all in shadow and he's nails and his eyes are like neon green and i'm like this is a choice why is he under a black light like (laughs) but yeah they do but you don't actually see him in full makeup Mm -hmm. until like much later in the film yeah, the part after she has the dress on. Yep. He, like, comes out of a mirror. He pops out. He's like, hey, <laughs> what's up? You look nice. <laughs> <laughs> Want to sit in this weird chair and have a snack with me? <laughs> I do love it, though. I, I think it's funny, though, that they show, when he comes out, they show his hooves, but we never actually see him, like, foot to horn like mm-hmm. his whole body until the fight at the end with Jack, just because I imagine it was just easier to film Tim Curry from oh, the waist probably. up. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's wearing enough makeup and 
prosthetics as it is, and I think he had to be on some kind of stilt to make him taller. Yeah. So I'm sure they're like, whatever we can do to make this a little bit easier, because mm-hmm. I know he hated all that makeup. I I read that he there at one point he got so claustrophobic he, he started ripped ripping it off, it off and, and like and tore his own skin. Yeah, and started hurting himself. Yeah, that would have been. And they bad. had to like swap out the horns, which you can tell at the end when they had to when they go from the heavier horns to the fiberglass. Because, mm-hmm. like, the heavier horns don't move at all as he's moving his head and talking because it had, like, a strap on the back of his neck to hold him up. Mm. But at the end when he's fighting, they kind of do move around a little bit. But I'm like, I'm fine with that because I understand how much pain he was in. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't want Tim Curry to get hurt. Yeah. So, but yeah, when he first pops out of the mirror, which is another thing I love, that he comes out of a mirror. I just mm-hmm. love that because so many fantasy stories... There's mirror travel, and I'm just like, that's just such a great little detail of him coming out of a mirror mm-hmm. with all his little glittery... Everything glitters. It must be part <laughs> of the reason why I love the movie so much. There's sparkles everywhere. Very 80s. Very 80s. Everybody has glitter. I do like, though, when him and Lily have their first conversation, I like the theatrical cut much more because she yells at him. Mm. because he wants her to sit and talk. I do like that he's like, I value your thoughts. I want to talk to you. And she tells him, I do nothing for your pleasure. And he gets pissed, swipes all the food off the table, yells at her, and she laughs and she hides from him. I don't know why. I just always like that because now you're like, is she going along with this? Is she scared or is she now playing him? Because she doesn't know yet what he wants to do. But I just always, I always love, though, that she gets that little bit of backbone. Mm-hmm. And she tells him, I do nothing for your pleasure. Because she's like, I'm not falling for this. And then when he gets mad and starts yelling, she laughs. Oh, don't forget all the fun stuff when we uh, first go down into the hole. We got to get to the tree first with Meg, Mucklebones, <laughs> who I, I love. I love that she wants to eat him. <laughs> And she doesn't want to eat the fairies because they taste bad. Was she supposed to be like a specific kind of creature? I think she was just a swamp witch. Okay. That's what I always took her. I think she's got a name or something, but I always just took her as a swamp witch. It's a swamp. It's like a witch. (laughs) You know, she wants to eat Jack. And, you know, they use the other little guys as bait. They're like, get out there. You go first. And she don't want to eat them because they taste bad. I always like that. <laughs> when she's like, foul-tasting fairy. And I'm like, oh, poor guy. You don't even taste good. <laughs> well, I like that they distracted her with her own reflection. <laughs> very, Yeah, it's, it's very Medusa-like, too. Because he tells her she's beautiful. I think he does that more in the, the, in the uh, director's cut. They have a little bit okay. more conversation. Because tells, he tells her she's beautiful and gets her to look at her reflection. It's a little bit more cut a little closer together in the theatrical cut not as much talking okay that's one of those situations where you're like no let them talk a little bit more that makeup's fantastic it would have been it's one of those things where it would be nice to have like some sort of a combination between the two right like have all the good parts of the extended version but not every extended part of the extended version. with the with the music from the theatrical yes cut. yes because that music did make a difference mm-hmm I'm sure that's one of the reasons why I felt like yep. it was dragging on. Yep. Well, and I know that the theatrical cut, they did add a few more action scenes, like when they're going through the prison and those cat people jump out 
Like that's Oh, I forgot about yeah, that. That, that wasn't is in like there. the most jarring scene in the movie because they added it because they felt American audiences needed more action in their movie. <laughs> I'm glad to know we're all just so ADD and stupid. They're like, throw an action scene in, or they're gonna not pay attention. But it's so jarring that you're like, What's happening? Why is this happening? Like I don't mind it, but it's just so sudden. And I'm like, you could have just made the other action scenes a little bit better, like when they're fighting those giant creatures and they boil the one alive, but the special effects are a little iffy, so you're kind of like, huh? Like, I know what's happening, but you could tell they're kind of limited by the times. Because I think their budget for this was like $25 million, which was probably really good back then. But there are a few little spots in there where they added something just to have a little bit more action where it's just a little some of the cuts during the end like when they're going through darkness's place some of the cuts are a little odd and i i imagine that's probably just because that's where they cut from the director's cut because i know they had to cut the movie down a lot i mean it was let me see if there's a like a time 89 minutes for the theatrical cut 114 minutes for the director's cut. And I think it was originally like 155 minutes. So then they had to cut it like twice for the theatrical cut. Mm. So a lot of it's just like, I wonder what they cut here that would have made this scene a little smoother. Well, there were parts where it just felt like it just took forever. So I'm sure they were just cutting out a lot of dialogue. A lot of dialogue, I imagine. I don't think they would cut fight scenes. Because a lot of, you know, choreography... Not for ADD Americans. No, no. That's why they shoved that weird scene with those cat people in there. And I'm just like... And then they don't even really fight. Gump just kind of hisses at him and tries to claw him. And I'm like, you don't have claws. You got little nails. But yeah, then then we get to the, the end there, you know, where they're getting the giant plates because they figure... Because they hear darkness say, light uh, sunlight is my destroyer. Mm-hmm. And Gump's like... I have a plan. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kill him with sunlight. And again, Jack goes with it, but I don't think he's really thinking of any of that. <laughs> Probably not. No, I think he's just like, where the hell's Lily? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where is she? Like, I all this stuff is crazy. I've never been involved in any of this. And Gump and them are just like, yeah, this is just this is just how it is here. You know, he knew what the great just an tree everyday was. Everyday goblin fight. Yeah, you know, he knew where darkness's lair was in the tree which is another thing i love is that the entrance is that giant tree you know he knows all this but jack don't know jack don't know jack (laughs) (laughs) this is only something that struck me last night and maybe it wasn't filmed in the exact same way in the theatrical version but like when they finally defeat darkness Mm -hmm. he's like it's like a portal or is that the mirror is like he's shot out into space or something you know in the 80s we killed people by shooting them out into space <laughs> i always kind of took it like maybe he was being banished back into the netherworld because he's not dead mm-hmm. you can't kill him because mm-hmm. it's balance that's the whole point of legend is balance mm-hmm. you can't have good without evil and you can have light without dark so i just always looked at it like he just got banished back to the netherworld or back to hell or Because he's not the devil. He's just like a conduit of darkness. And I always just looked at it like he's just being sent back home. Well, that that scene, it reminded me of Alien. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like, back then, that's just how you killed things. You just shot them out into space. Yeah, because I was watching and that happened. I was like, 
this feels like Alien. I was like, well, oh, wait, Ridley Scott. This is, yeah, he, I mean, he literally did Alien and Blade Runner right before he made this. So he's like, how did that worked out well? I'll just shoot this one into space, too. So, but yeah, I, I always thought it was weird because I'm like, is he going to space? And then when it, like, flashes and you see, like, stars flying, I'm like, or maybe he just went through a portal and he went back home. Because he's not dead, because we see him at the end, the very end, like before the credits start. Which so. I think, I don't think that was in the extended version either. No, they cut that. It's in the theatrical cut, though. So, you know, Americans, you got to keep them entertained. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not dead. But yeah, I don't think it's space. I think it's just like a portal or maybe space in the middle of the planet. I don't know. This is a fantasy world. Yeah. You just off you get. There was also another scene after that that I'm fairly certain I don't remember in the theatrical version where they talk like maybe this was a dream. Yes, that is... There's like three separate endings they shot for this. And I think one of them is where Jack tries to tell Lily all of this was a dream. But she doesn't... She's like, nah. (laughs) No. I'm not a huge fan of... Like, that feels like a cop-out to me. And I, I... I don't really actually I don't really like the ending that we get I don't like that Jack and Lily leave together I like the alternative ending the alternate ending where he stays in the forest and she goes home Mm -hmm. because that's where he's meant to be since he is an immortal child and a green man he should stay in the forest I Mm -hmm. wish that would have been the other ending and she would have just gone home on her own I like that ending more Mm -hmm. but I mean I'm not mad at what we I mean, the scene at the end where they're all standing there with the unicorns waving, and I'm like, oh, yay. (laughs) But I always was like, why is Jack going with her? Like, you stay here. This is where you belong. Mm -hmm. You know, she can just come visit you again. That's what you guys have been doing. (laughs) Originally, Ridley Scott, when Jack and Gump go to confront darkness before they sacrifice the unicorn, they crawl up on a hill. And it's supposed to imply that it's supposed to be, like, all bones and stuff. Mm -hmm. And originally, Ridley Scott wanted it to be rotting corpses. But they're like, no, that's not children appropriate. (laughs) And I always like how when they see Lily, Jack finally sees her. And he's like, that's Lily. Like, she's with him. And Gump tells him, you know, judge her with your heart, not your eyes. And then five seconds later, he's like, kill her. (laughs) I wondered about that. Which... (laughs) I can see it from both perspectives because Gump doesn't know Lily. Mm -hmm. You know, he tells Jack, judge her. But then it's like, no, they're going to sacrifice the unicorn right now. So he's like, okay, you had your five seconds to decide. (laughs) And we need to kill her because she's got the knife and she's going to kill it. And we can't have that because they made it sound like he was going to slit its throat instead of cut the horn off. Mm -hmm. Like they needed the blood or something because she says... I hear a throat aching to be cut. And with the way they pull the head down, I always assumed they were going to kill the mare differently because she has more power than the stallion does. But it just always made me laugh how Gump's like, you know what? Never mind. I need you to kill her and then we need to kill him and we just need to get down there right now. (laughs) Like, time's up real fast. But like I said, Gump doesn't know her. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jack doesn't really care about the rest. He just cares about her. So until he gets down there and has to fight darkness, which I always like that fight. I love that darkness just kind of whoops his ass because he's so much bigger. 
I love how much slower he moves because he is so much bigger mm-hmm. and that Jack pretty much just has to like duck and hide. You can tell the uh, fight choreography of the 80s though because of some of it I'm just like, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought the, the fight scene is as good as they could probably get and it gets us some great shots of full body darkness, you know, like when he runs at Jack and when he traps him with his horns. I mean, I just love all yeah, of that. Yeah, that was That is a good such scene. a good scene. Yeah. And then Jack sucker punches him, and I'm like, I don't think that would do it, but okay. <laughs> I mean, he's a big creature, and you punched him in the face, but I mean, what can't Tom Cruise do? <laughs> <laughs> but I always liked their fight. I like how darkness taunts him, and Lily's just over there passed out. <laughs> She's out of the fight now, and... The unicorn takes off running. I don't know where it ran off to. It's just like, bye, bitches. I'm out of here. (laughs) You know, and then we get this scene where he puts his hand in the water of fire and grabs the horn, which is another thing I always took of. Unicorn horns have been used to purify water. And I always thought of it like, well, if that's like molten hot water, his hand should have melted off. That's what I was wondering. (laughs) But I always just took it as, well, the horn's in there and it probably purified. I don't know. It's a fantasy it's story. It's magic, whatever. <laughs> it's magic. You're not supposed to look too far into it unless you're a little, little, little kid. And you're just like, wow, I want to figure all this out. <laughs> the scene where Jack begs forgiveness from the unicorn is probably one of my favorite scenes ever. Just because the way it's shot, the lighting, it's just such a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise's acting is actually pretty pretty good in this movie like Mm -hmm. nobody's phoning it in like they're all acting really good yeah a lot of times with a movie like this people can be i don't know over dramatic right it feels fake yeah but this felt natural yeah i mean like and for like mia sarah i think she did stage work before this because for this to be her first movie like she's really good Mm -hmm. and of course i mean tim curry is Oh, see, Curry. and he's he's the over-the-top dramatic one. But, but it he, works but for his he character. He needs to be, because he's the Lord of Darkness. He's a giant red monster. Yeah. Who spent, like, hours and hours in the makeup chair. And I think they asked him in an interview, how much of that is actually you? And he's, like, the upper lip. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it's all prosthetics. And the fact that he can talk so well with those fangs... Like, kudos, because you can, you, if you watch a lot of vampire shows, and they get the fangs in, a lot of them talk funny. They get a list. Yeah, because, no, you don't have teeth there, but, you know, he just, he talks so well, and I think that's probably because he's done so much stage work. Mm-hmm. Like, people who do stage plays and, like, Shakespeare and all this stuff, like, they have a different way of acting and emoting and projecting. Yeah, they have to learn how to enunciate for an audience, yes. and it probably translates. Yeah, and I think that's probably why he just does such a good job as Darkness. I w- like you said, if we could combine the best things from the director's cut, like with them not cutting out that Lily's a princess, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a few other little extended moments where it explains things a little bit better, I would change the ending with Jack staying behind, because I do like that ending better. I don't mind that they show Darkness laughing at the end. After the music fades out, after Love by the Sun fades out, they show him laughing Mm -hmm. just to kind of say he's not dead. But the whole point of the movie with the opening crawl is that you can't kill him. You have to have a balance. And for everything, 
good, there has to be the opposite, mm-hmm. which I always liked because it's a good way to think about things. Like so many movies, they're like, we have to defeat the evil. Well, you can't though. You always have to have a balance. Otherwise, what's going to happen? Like you can't upset the balance, which is why I always loved Legends opening crawl. And like I said, Tangerine Dream does such a great job with that 80s music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, I've always, always loved that movie. I just, it's got every everything in it I could possibly want. Though I am glad that they did not do a few things like originally, Ridley Scott, I swear. Originally, Lily, instead of being seduced into that black dress and all that stuff, was supposed to turn into some kind of furry monster. Kind of <laughs> like, like Hermione in Harry Potter. And uh, was going to be seduced by darkness, like actually seduced. I think this is when he was trying to push for the R rating, which I'm just like, okay. So human Lily in darkness, okay. For furry, furry cat lady in darkness, no. Oh. No, no. What? No, that's weird. What's the point of turning her into a furry thing? I don't know. I don't know if that was going to be their way of, like, showing she gave in. But it would have definitely... Would she, like, one of the cat people? Maybe. Or? All I know is it said everything I've heard and said, they just said she was going to turn into some kind of hairy creature and possibly be tortured and then either seduced or assaulted by darkness. Either one. And like I said, I think this is when Ridley Scott was kind of like, I want to do an R rating. Because it started off with him wanting to make a fantasy movie for his kids. Which is why you get Brown Tom and Screwball and Gump and all the little funny moments. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, actually, let's just hard pivot and make an R-rated movie instead. And by that time, the studio was like, nah. like We're not going yeah. to do that. Which is why I think you get such a... Uh, you know, the first half of the movie is very 80s, very kind of like Labyrinth, mm-hmm. very much. And then once darkness shows up, you're kind of like, okay, this is a little bit more mature now with a little sprinkling of Gump and Screwball and all of them in there to kind of balance it out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm not going to say no to like a, a R rating for a fantasy movie because that just means we get more monsters and violence <laughs> and blood, but... The whole thing that they wanted to do with Lily, I was just like, nah, fam, no. Let's just not do that. Yeah. That's weird. I like him trying to seduce her this way a lot more than... magical faceless dress. Yes. And that dress is gorgeous. I love that dress. And I don't even like dresses. But she looks amazing in that dress. Like, it's it's sensual and seductive without being over the top. Yeah. You know, and it's the complete opposite of what she had been wearing before. Like, she looks very, very good. And then, you know, at the end, somehow she's back in her normal clothes. I'm assuming that the magic just popped off and she's back in her princess. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. (laughs) Yeah, she's back in her little princess outfit and, you know, Jack. Because, again, Gump is the one who brings the unicorn back. He he takes the horn to Mm. the stallion and brings the unicorn back. Jack's over there diving in a pool trying to find Lily's ring so he can marry her. (laughs) And I'm like, I guess you got your priorities. I mean, and Gump's in charge of it. But it's just so funny that he's the hero of the story. But he's not the one who brings the... actually saved the world. (laughs) Yeah, you know, he stopped darkness, but he mostly just got lucky. Well, actually, he didn't. It was Gump and them who stopped darkness with the light. Mm -hmm. With the sunlight. Yeah. If they wouldn't have come in with the sunlight, Jack would have lost. Yeah. He cut off his hand, but I think that was only after the sunlight hit. 
It was. Because he throws the horn. Because Darkness is like, give that. Give me that. And he throws it at him. And it stabs him in the stomach. And then the sunlight hits and blasts him against that archway. And then Jack, he pulls the horn out. And Jack cuts his hand off to get it back. And then he gets blasted out into oblivion. But yeah, if it wouldn't have been for Gump and them, Jack would have lost. He wouldn't yeah. have won that fight. Mm-hmm. So I guess the hero is Gump. <laughs> Jack was just kind of... Jack was supposed to be their hero, and they did need him to do this. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it was really Gump and them all working together. I guess they all worked together. It was a group effort. It was a group effort. <laughs> but Jack's priorities were definitely on yes. Lily and not yes. saving the unicorn. Yeah. Which is why I think it would have meant more if he would have just stayed behind at the end. <laughs> I feel like this is totally the kind of movie, though, that if it wouldn't have flopped, would totally have, like, three sequels. And Jack would have been played by a different character every time. <laughs> you know what? You're probably Tom, right. Because <laughs> Tom Cruise does not talk highly of this movie. I don't think he liked it. Which, I don't know why. Like, get over yourself, Tom. It's a good movie. <laughs> You were young, like, it's a good movie, but, because you can tell, you know, at the end when darkness pops up, I don't know if they, like, were thinking of plotting a sequel. I'm glad they never did. It doesn't feel like something that needed a sequel. It's a good one and done. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, you're done. It's a, it's a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. The story's over. You don't need to continue on and be like, oh, darkness is back. You know, and this time in CGI. (laughs) Well, this isn't a Fox film, which means Disney owns it, so maybe they will make a sequel. <laughs> I think it's Universal. Oh. Okay. It's Universal. Yeah, because the Universal logo is space, and so I always kind of laugh oh, at the end when okay. darkness gets blasted yeah. into space. So I'm like, oh, is he going back to the studio? <laughs> Universal took him back. <laughs> yep, it's a Universal film, because Ridley Scott did this right after Alien and Blade Runner, because a lot of the people who helped work on those helped work on this because it does have that Ridley Scott feel mm-hmm. but you would never really realize it was a Ridley Scott movie because it's so different from his other movies yeah, yeah. I mean who watches Alien and Blade Runner and then watches Legend and is like oh <laughs> you know it's not like um, John Carpenter where all his movies kind of have the same feeling or like Christopher Nolan Ridley Scott's movies are kind of all over the place mm-hmm. especially now but well, I don't think I would have even noticed, except you've said that, and then the end reminded me when he's blasting off into space. It's just like that alien, <laughs> both times. <laughs> both aliens. I guess it's a good way to dispatch a I'm, terrible creature. I'm telling you, I mean, there's really not a lot that can get through space. <laughs> so, or the other world, or the nether world, wherever darkness got banished back to. Probably wherever his quote-unquote parents are to get lectured like you failed bravo (laughs) i did wonder about his parents like who are they what do they look like yeah i well i should have written it i i know i've read before like what they're supposed to be but i don't think they're actual entities i think they're more of like a thought or a a muse kind of thing because when his mother talks to him it's as a shadow and like a whisper on the air. So I don't think they're actual creatures. I think they're more like muses or suggestions or entities. That's how I always looked at it. I don't mm-hmm. think there's like a horned lady in a 
a bigger <laughs> horned guy waiting for him back home, you know. But I could be wrong. Oh, God, that would have been the sequel. That would have been terrible. <laughs> Just imagining a darkness creature. Is it? No. <laughs> this is extremely random. I'm imagining his father is a minotaur and his mother is Doja Cat in that red getup that she wore to that uh, award show. Oh, God. <laughs> That's better than what I was imagining. I was imagining a Tim Curry-esque creature with, like, breasts. Like, oh, no. That doesn't look flattering at all. But, yeah, yeah, we can throw a minotaur in there and poor Doja Cat. <laughs> But, but yeah, Legend, it's just a very 80s movie. Like you said, it's yeah. like the most 80s movie. Extremely 80s. Extremely 80s movie. I mean, it ranks right up there with like Big Trouble in Little China for like just that you watch it and you're like, yep, this was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or like Labyrinth, I'm pretty sure that was in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Dragon Slayer, looking at the movies on my shelf over there and just listening to them <laughs> off. Dragon Slayer is in the 80s. That's another one I need to see. I can let you borrow it. It's just <laughs> right over there on the shelf. I haven't watched it in forever, actually. And, like, Clash of, Clash of the Titans, though, wasn't 80s, I don't think. But that one's worth a watch. Not the new one. Not the one with Sam Worthington. No, was that it, Hell, The guy who's in it, I don't know. You gotta watch the one with the claymation monsters. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Like I said, it's just a good movie for makeup and costume design and the stage pieces and the sets and you know it's just that that time right in there right before cgi and you're like yes Mm -hmm. all of this is real (laughs) they're running through the trees the unicorns look good like i said nowadays darkness would be fully fully cgi or it would be like a vision kind of thing where they paint him red and have the markers on him so he's Still has his face in his mouth, and the rest of him's all CGI. Mm-hmm. I just love that it's just one of those cult classics now that it bombed in the box office, but now everybody who watches it either really like it or you really don't. I remember watching <laughs> it with a friend's family, and it got over, and they were like, her dad was like, well, that wasn't very good. And I was like, oh. <laughs> what? And they're like, yeah, I didn't really like it that much. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I could never speak to you again. I was like, I don't think we can be friends anymore. Your dad said you didn't like that movie. Like, oh no. We were like in middle school or something at like a sleepover, so. That does seem like a good sleepover movie for middle yeah. school age kids. Well. <laughs> first scary movie. For, for, for most kids. For most kids, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure I made that same friend watch the thing and we got halfway through it and she made me turn it off. And I don't think she ever forgave me for trying to make her watch that. We got like halfway through when it starts to get real and she was just like, well, you need to turn this off now. And I'm like, why? She's like, because uh, it's scary. I'm like, oh, sorry. I wasn't aware. So, we, so yeah, I didn't make her finish it. I think we watched her like Lion King after that. It's like, well, let's balance that out with some Disney, I guess. You know, you watch one scary thing, you gotta balance it out with something a little less scary. Like a friend and I went and saw 28 Days Later, it's a zombie movie, mm-hmm. and it scared the hell out of me. So when we got back to her house, she's like, what do you want to watch now? I'm like, let's watch The Ring. <laughs> it's a little less scary than that other movie. And I can make fun of this one. 
Have you ever watched that? Yes. The I actually have watched a, one scary movie. <laughs> the little girl, Samara. That's the chick who voices Lilo. Yeah. Which the thing, is... The thing that I remember about that movie was the horse dying, and that's what scarred me. <laughs> I know. I was just like, no, not the horse. You kill people you want, but not I, the horse. I don't remember much of anything else in the movie. I just remember the horse scene. I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> I think I remember watching it and being like, yeah, this is definitely a lot scarier than it, a lot less scary than that other movie we just watched in theater. Legend, though, is just... They don't make movies like Legend anymore. Everything that's going to come out fantasy now is going to be like Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Which I'm fine with to a certain point. Yeah. I know you haven't watched those. But, you know, they just they don't make fantasy movies like that. I mean, Lord of the Rings was like the last great mm-hmm. fantasy. And it's because it took a lot of stuff like what Legend did. You get a lot of practical effects. Yes. A lot of sets, a lot of miniatures, a lot of filming out in the wild. You know, the CGI is minimal too, you know, until you get to the third movie. And obviously there's a lot more CGI in the third movie than the first two. But... You can't really practical effects the... The Oliphants? Yes. No, (laughs) not really. You know, and it's just one of those movies. Oh, and Excalibur. Excalibur's a really good movie, too. That's one of my mom's favorite movies. Some of it's hard to watch because it's kind of sad. But it's, a, it's another good movie. It's just those old fantasy movies where, damn, they just went for it. Mm-hmm. They're like, it doesn't need to make sense, but it <laughs> needs to look cool. Yep. It's just, it'll always be my number one movie, I think. I don't know if they'll ever make another movie that just makes me as emotional as a person who's not very emotional mm-hmm. you know i don't think anything's really even come close to toppling it over actually i think a lot of the childhood nostalgia has a bit to play with it yes too. yeah yeah and like i said when i was younger this movie had ins- inspired so much poetry so much writing so much artwork so mm-hmm. much you know because it's just it's got so many good little elements to it it's just a lot of great ideas that even though a lot of people don't like it, it bombed. It's just a great fantasy movie. And it's safe for all ages. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Unless you're really scared. Of, you just tell people, it's just Tim Curry. <laughs> it's just Tim Curry. It's okay. He can't hurt you. It's just Tim Curry. It's he just Tim Curry. <laughs> no. If I if I was one of those people who made clickbaity titles for my YouTube videos, I could just this one could be called "It's Just Tim Curry." He can't hurt you. He can't you. hurt you. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Or you're gonna watch it and be like, "Huh? Why does he look a lot better than I think he should?" Like that darkness is ripped, man. <laughs> you're just like somebody's been doing their crunches. <laughs> And getting a tan. Yeah. Yeah. He's well done. <laughs> yes. He is. He looks quite good. Of course, that chin, though. The chin was very... The chin is quite prominent. you think it'd be the horns and the red skin, but no, you're like, oh, look at that. That chin is quite... It's kind of like when you see Thanos for the first time. <laughs> you're just like, oh, look at that chin. That's a choice. But it works. He looks great. I think with Thanos, like seen him so many times i've kind of gotten desensitized to the fact that he has a chin that's like a giant raisin he just looks like bruce willis <laughs> like in a raisin yeah <laughs> okay well that's probably good a place as any to wrap things up mm-hmm. 
So, until next time. Until next time. Thanks for listening to iHeartMovies. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.